Let's begin by all joining together in praying. Lord, may the words of my mouth and the meditation of all of our hearts be pleasing in your sight. For you are our rock, you are our redeemer. Amen. It's time for the test. Are you ready? Thanks, Aiden. Aiden's ready. This is good. Well, this one word test can do something, can it? I mean, some of you, just at the word, right, anxiety levels probably started to go up a little bit. Others of you, I'm guessing less, a few of you, for others of you, when you hear the word test, your focus sharpens, the anticipation rises. Whatever side comes out when you hear this thing, testing, it's going to happen. Test time does something. It brings out a change in you. Now, what's going to determine the kind of change that comes out in you? I think one thing, first off, is how prepared are you for the test that's coming? I mean, most of you, Marines, military people, PFT, CFT, this is a great way to show the hours and the sweat and the determination that you've put in to making your body be as best as your body can be, right? Or maybe if you're honest in your military career, sometimes PFT and CFT, what they do is reveal kind of the ignored injuries, the over-the-top eating habits, how long it's been since you have cared about your body. Yeah. I think in school, the fast test takers, those reveal something about tests too, right? You know who I'm talking about. The kind of people that memorize and master the study guide, and then they keep studying more after that too. So that when test time comes, they get their paper and they fly through it and they don't even have to think about the answers anymore. They just get them down, they move on, and they're ready to get going with the next unit of info. But there's also the other fast test takers, and you and I know who we are, the kind of people that don't take long to write down the answers because they have no idea what the right answers might be. Circles filled, words on paper, that becomes the ultimate goal. And they know that they've messed up after they hand their test in, and even the best students take about another 15 or 20 minutes to finish after them. Yet, tests can reveal some of what's going on inside of people. One thing you and I can be sure of is that God is going to keep the tests coming. Long after you're out of school, long after you're out of the core, spiritual tests are going to be part of life for you and me in this messed up world. Are you going to honor God's morals and standards? Or are you okay with a little bit of compromise? Does Jesus' encouragement to love all people stick in your heart and be first in your heart? Or is it really easy for you to find excuses for why you can't love them? If God allows tragedy into your family and your relationships, are you going to turn your back on him? Or are you still going to trust? So, to get us ready and prepped and prepared for all the tests and trials and temptations that are going to come, we're going to work on this today. We're going to think about how God might be using them, what our role is when these things come, 
and our job when these things do hit. So to help us, we are going back, like way back, all the way to this ultimate test taker that we heard about. Today we're going back to Father Abraham. And it's kind of funny that we call him Father Abraham because for most of his life, he was not a dad. Uh, Abraham and his wife had been trying and wanting a child desperately. And even after their own sinful plans for a child fall through, God answers their prayers and gives them a child at age 100. God gave them this miracle child in their son who's named Isaac. And you've got to think that they must have cherished every single moment that they had with this son because they had been waiting for so long and now they had him. It's their history and their background that makes God's challenge and test for Abraham an absolutely intense test of faith. Because God comes to him after that and God said, take your son, your only son, whom you love, Isaac, and go to the region of Moriah and sacrifice him there as a burnt offering on a mountain I will show you. Oh, you can hear how God draws out this description of Isaac. He emphasizes Abraham's love for his son. And then he commands him to give Isaac up and to sacrifice him like an animal. I mean, this is the ultimate test for God to find out how much Abraham would trust in the Lord. So then in the early morning darkness, just a few hours after God gives him this command, Abraham obeys. For a burnt offering like the one God had commanded, you need fire. So Abraham would cut down the wood himself. Then he loaded up his donkey and he brought along a few more hands for the trip. That same morning, with absolutely everything ready, Abraham and Isaac traveled side by side, knowing that the trip was going to have to end in sacrifice. The journey would take three days for them to get there, and I can't imagine the emotions and the discussion that they went through on the way. For three days, Abraham has to choose to keep going on this trip. With, with Isaac next to him. And finally, on the third day, when they get to the place, they leave the hired workers and just the two of them go off together to do what God called them to do. And then you get this most painful detail in all of it, where Isaac asks the father who loves him and says, Dad, the fire and the wood are here. But where's the lamb for the burnt offering? I don't see it. Who's it going to be? I mean, doesn't your heart hurt at hearing that and thinking about that interaction? And at this point, Abraham could have covered up and lied and, and came up with some other excuses. But he doesn't. Abraham answers, God himself will provide the lamb for the burnt offering, my son. Even if it was going to be Isaac, God would provide. When they reached the place God told them about, Abraham built an altar there and arranged the wood on top of it. 
He bound his son Isaac and laid him on the altar on top of the wood. Because now the time had come. It was clear a sacrifice was going to happen. And in full faith and trust in God's command, Abraham reached out his hand and took the knife to slay his son. But God wouldn't let him. The angel of the Lord called out to him from heaven, Abraham, Abraham, do not lay a hand on the boy. Do not do anything to him. Now I know that you fear God because you have not withheld from me your son, your only son. Maybe the most extreme example we have of God sending a test and it reveals a characteristic that's true for people that God shows his love to. But if you think this sermon is going to be about Abraham and how Abraham passed this test with flying colors and how Abraham is kind of the goal to aim for and be, then you're still kind of missing what God is saying here. Because you and I don't know the struggle that was going on inside of Abraham's heart. We don't know how many times he questioned or doubted God's intentions. We do know Abraham was a messed up sinner like you and like me. And this test could have sent him far away from God and any other promises God had made. We know that can happen for people like Abraham and like for us because we've experienced it. I know you. I know me. You have failed some of the tests that God has sent you. I know you struggle with gossip and tearing down people and their reputation because they've hurt you. When you're bombarded with just open and obvious sexual immorality in our culture, that's done, than, done more than just make you curious about those things. You've acted on that. I mean, God puts the perfect person right in front of you who's ready, who needs Jesus. And you know that you have Jesus. You know that you have the one thing that they need. And you get scared. And you second guess the relationship. And then you don't tell them about what they need to hear. God uses this messed up world that we live in, the messed up side of us. And he sends us tests. And more times than I think we're open and honest about it, we fail. Or we get mad at God for allowing these tests into our lives at all. We think that if God were truly good, then he would keep all these challenging things away. But I think if we're wise, I think we're going to try to think about tests and trials and temptations a little bit more like how we play Mario Kart. Video game people, you know what I'm talking about. Non-video game people, Mario Kart is an experience you need to have. Because this is a game where you race around a track in a little go-kart and you try to beat other people in a race. Except for one part of Mario Kart, it's called the time trials. You see, for the time trials, you go around once and it times you and knows exactly where you drive and how you drive. And then the second time you go through time trials, you get to kind of see a projection next to you. And you see how fast they're going and you see where they're going. And what you do in time trials is you see that and then you try to beat it second time and you get the boosts, you get more coins and 
But for every single time you go through time trial, your goal is not to win anymore. Your goal is to go through the process, to try to beat your best time, to try to be better than you were before. I think if we start to look at trials and tests and temptations, like opportunities for God to refine our faith, to make us better and better, I think then we can start to appreciate him. Because it's not going to be us that pushes us to beat these things. No, sinners and the obedience of sinners will never be the sacrifice that was needed. Abraham obeyed the Lord this time, but he failed so many other times. And just like all the other Old Testament sacrifices that kept going for generations and years, Isaac would have been an incomplete sacrifice. No, people need something more, something beyond themselves to pass the test. We need God's promises in Jesus. Because Jesus doesn't fail tests. Not one. Never. In the gospel reading, you got to hear in just a really quick summary of what God did for you. Who took your place to fight against temptation? Jesus. Who went through absolutely real and difficult struggles and came out the other side a winner every time? Jesus. Who proved that he was going to be perfect and was going to be the ultimate sacrifice that would finish the fight for your forgiveness? Jesus. You see, Jesus traded places with you, and he won the fight. God provided Abraham with a better replacement for his son, and God will provide you and me with something to hold on to and carry you through the tests. It's this forgiveness and new life in Jesus that is on both sides of the before and after of every test, and through those tests, God is going to help you hold on tighter and tighter to Jesus and what Jesus has done for you. So I think it is time for you to think about this religiously, like the Old Testament people thought about this. You know they had really strict and specific guidelines for the sacrifices they made? If it wasn't the right age, you couldn't use it. If it wasn't the right breed, no chance. If it wasn't the first thing that you harvested, the newest crops, not going to work. No, it had to be the exact way that God commanded it, or those sacrifices would be worth nothing. So this is where we learn that Isaac could not have been a burnt offering sacrifice. He wasn't the real deal. If there was going to be a sacrifice, God had to provide something else, and that's what God did in the end. Because Abraham then looked up, and there in a thicket he saw a ram caught by its horns. He went over and took the ram and sacrificed it as a burnt offering instead of his son. Instead of Isaac, God provided a better and proper sacrifice in his place, pointing us ahead to Jesus' sacrifice. God traded places so that the sacrifice needed to be made would actually happen. And Abraham learned that when tests come, you can hold on to God's promises. And they're going to be enough. That now is how God is going to help us see tests 
because we keep going through Lent. When we're prepared and ready because we know it won't change what Jesus has done for us. Then we can start to see tests as refining things. Like when we fail the tests, we can admit our failures to each other and ask each other for forgiveness and share forgiveness when people need to hear it and they're turning away from sin. We can learn and try to be more aware of how God builds up our faith and our resilience and our ability to handle more than we imagined our faith could. We can even stand boldly face-to-face with every unexpected and expected test because we know that standing in front of us and in our place is always going to be Jesus. Amen.